Hi, this is Amelia from Arkansas, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolla Moore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 643 by Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. It has been quite the week. We had a bit of a situation at the start of the week. That's right. It was pretty disturbing, I guess you could say. We we didn't have power for, I think, a little... Two full days. Was it two full days? Two days. Yeah, okay. I mean, in change, but yeah. Yeah. And basically what has been happening is we've been smelling like a burning plastic smell. And we originally thought that the motor of the fan in the bathroom was burning out because it seemed to be tied to whenever the fan was on in there, we would smell the smell. Yeah, yeah. So well, well, what's great about it is, <laughs> and I'm going to let you continue is once we figured out what it was and some of the other symptoms, then everything made sense. Yeah, so we had the bathroom fan motor replaced because we, again, thought that was the issue. And then we continued to smell it. So we were wondering what the hell is going on. Yeah, And we discovered because you eventually went to look at the breaker box because no, the dishwasher didn't work. That's right. The, the, the garbage disposal the garbage didn't disposal, work. Like we started having all kinds of problems. So you went to look at the breaker box and it was like the smell was coming from it. Yeah. It was the, one of the fuses was burning. It was melted through. Yeah. And yeah. it was like hot to the touch yeah, yeah, and yeah. not a maybe, good situation. Maybe not the smartest thing on my part. Touching everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. With, when there's arcing sparks and fire and yeah. Yeah. So we called and the maintenance guy was like, he, he used the word catastrophic, you said, to describe what could have happened what if we hadn't happened. called. Right. Because obviously we had a huge fire hazard on our hands. What's more alarming to me is the period of time in which we were smelling this smell, which this whole time was a burning breaker. Yeah, it went on for a week. Um, yeah. And, I mean, what could have happened is very, very terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So we're happy that it, it ended up being they had to just turn off our power because they put a new breaker in and that one melted and burned up. Like immediately. Like, oh, oh here's the deal. You got a bad whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm not electricity guy mm -hmm. so they replace it and then it imme immediately starts melting like the other one yeah so, so they're like oh shit this is yeah as they say uh, not good yeah so um <laughs> they just turn the power off they're like listen we don't we don't really know what's happening right now but this isn't safe so we need to just turn the power off here yeah and we'll try to get this figured out. So we were debating, should we go stay in a hotel? Should we just kind of live on the wild side? And we decided to live on the wild side, much to Popeye's chagrin, because 
we actually left him for a while and like went to dinner and we came back and he's just sitting in the dark. It was really sad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we bought more candles and like these LED battery powered wands, which will be great because we always talk about not being prepared for like an earthquake. Yeah. The big one that they're always talking about. So now we feel slightly more prepared. It is a weird a weird deal being uh without power. Oh yeah. Like you think, oh yeah, we can handle that for a few days. No. It no, is, no, no. Yeah. You get we are we are a modern society with modern conveniences. I mean like And our, you you are a modern man. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> well, you you need electricity. You you have to. We have all it. need electricity. How how? I am mean, I... I did just fine with that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I was like thriving. Yeah, you were. In fact, it's my ideal environment. Exactly. I prefer now exactly to be without power. I'd like to know how I am more affected <laughs> by by not having electricity. Will you just relax? Mm-hmm. So anyway, we we uh, it is an odd odd thing to not have power. To, to have, but you're, you're teased because your cell phones work because they have batteries. So you have internet and stuff, but you're sitting around in a dark cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of the benefits of renting. You know, we don't have an, a spare million dollars to buy a house where we live. Mm-hmm. So renting, that's one of the benefits is that they, they drop everything. Yeah. Well, if you have good landlords. Right. And they do their goddamn job. Yeah. Yep. And they did. They we had a team of people in here trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. much to Popeye's confusion and trepidation. Yeah. Well, they were working right where his bed goes, and he did not like that. <laughs> he sleeps right below the fire mm-hmm. hazard. He's like, "Why are they? <laughs> why are they near my bed?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, we're through it. We're it's back. all good. Yeah, we're yeah. back to normal, and now it's better than ever. It's the way it should be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we had a lingering fire hazard. We could have died in our sleep, burning alive, and we are happy that that didn't happen. Well, we had a plan. We 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 lined out what we were each going to grab, and 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 run out the house. I was going to grab Popeye, right? Yeah, and I was going to get the laptop and one of my hard drives because that's (laughs) that's livelihood. Saving the show. If I lose the laptop. We're the show's fucked. We're gonna have to find new intros. I don't have all of that like remote. I'm gonna have to recreate everything. Yeah, on the priority list was not grabbing clothes or anything no, like that. No, that yeah. could all be replaced. The, yeah, doing the show and everything would be. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> this is gonna be a great, great show. <laughs> Shitting on Jesse the entire time. You'll be fine. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure I will. Anyway, let's get to some listener communications now that we are here. We're back. We're live. We are powered up. Let's get to a call. Hey, uh, Jesse. And hey, Brittany. Uh, this is Eric from the Midwest again. And <clears throat> you're discussing the movie that one Harriet. And you said that she was kind of like seeing into the future. Was that their way of like trying to – because I, I knew – well – when you grow up where I did, you you find out, you know, where she was from and how she got hit in the head when she was uh, a young girl and she was prone to seizures. Is that the way they covered her seizures? Is like she had those Joan of Arc moments where she could see into the future, which I, I kind of find a strange way to take that, 
or, you know, trying to explain that kind of seems a little lazy. But uh, I, this, what I really wanted to call about was that uh, Hillary Clinton interview on Howard Stern and make this quick. It, it's the segment, and I don't know if you can find it, where she talks about Bernie Sanders. Every time he turned around, he was promising something like free college or something. And the way she was going back and forth with Howard, it, it, that just showed the uh, the ill-preparedness that she had sometimes and how she just couldn't handle even Bernie or Donald in that aspect of when they would come up with these, you know, these ideas of, you know, if, if, I, if I were to say a good idea or a bad idea. I'm not saying that, but it, it, it just showed me that she, she did feel like she was entitled and she was just going to win hands down. And uh, n- nothing's uh, sure besides death and taxes, right? Uh, enjoy the show. Good discussions. Thank you. Bye. So you have it exactly right, Eric, that that is how they addressed the seizures that she had as a result of her head trauma. There was actually a scene in the movie where she made it to freedom and she was sitting in front of a man that helps the newly freed enslaved people um, like form a new identity and he interviews them about their experiences and the abuses and traumas that they suffered to have a record of it. And he actually wrote down um, possible like traumatic brain injury or something based on yeah. what, based on what she was saying. Yeah. Because, and I don't remember what exactly prompted him, like what, what she was saying right before he wrote that. But I think it was about how she can, can see into the future or something. Yeah. I think he wrote like mint, Possible mentally ill or something like that, but whatever the parlance would have been at the time. So, so yes, that is that is correct. That that's that's how they addressed it, and they would say that she was having one of her moments again. Or I don't think they were using the word spells seizure. Or yeah, something spells. Like that. That's what they would yeah. say. She's having another spell. That's what everybody around her would say. So I don't know if it's the movie taking liberties. I need to. I have a a, a Harriet a specific book on her that I have in uh, on my like bookmarked on on Amazon that I'm going to get. Thanks, Jeff Bezos, and because uh, I, I, I want to learn about that. I want to learn if she thought she was having or if that's a liberty the movie took. But that is how they explained the seizures. Mm-hmm. Like, but they gave you both sides of it. But they really gave a lot of. A lot of, of, of legitimacy to the look, seeing into the future. Mm-hmm. Because they played scenes where she is seeing into the future. So, yeah. to see events that would take place in moments and sometimes days later. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as far as the Hillary Clinton thing is concerned, I you nailed it on the head as far as what my opinion is. I do believe that Hillary Clinton felt entitled to the presidency, certainly entitled to the nomination. Um, it is one of the things, one of many things I don't like about Hillary Clinton, uh, because she she didn't even campaign l- like a normal camp, you know, like a normal candidate. Mm-hmm. In terms of being on the ground, really doing a lot of meet and greet, yeah, with, with the yeah. ci- meet and greets with the citizens. It was it was it was not traditional, and it, I think that's just because she believed it was hers. It was hers, and right. no one else really had a right to it. And mm-hmm. when when Bernie came into the race, I think it bothered her a lot because one, he has been an independent, not a formal member of the Democratic Party for the vast majority, the vast majority of his time in Congress. Well, <laughs> all of his time in Congress. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. 
But then when he runs for a national office like that, he, because of the power that comes with the Democratic nomination and fundraising and everything else, he 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 runs as a Democrat. And that, that bothers that bothers a lot of Democrats. I understand why it bothers them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, change your rules. If, if you don't want the, someone to be able to do that, say that they need to, to be able to be a member of the party for so long before they can stand for office or something. But as it stands now, that's not what the rules read. Yeah. On, on that note about Bernie being an independent, I, well, I have two stories. So I finally encouraged one of my friends to register to vote. She has never done that before. And the only reason that she did it is because it was convenient for her. She happened to be renewing her license at the DMV and they asked, do you want to register to vote? And she thought, oh, Brittany's been harassing me about this for years. I think I'll go ahead and do this. The thing is, she doesn't know a lot about politics. And I think when I talk about it, she just kind of like tunes me out. Well, that was some weird shit. And so she... (laughs) So she texted me and she said, hey, I registered to vote. And I said, yes, I'm so happy. Thank you for doing that. And she said, I registered in the Libertarian Party. Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> that is, that's not knowing very much about politics. I said, listen, um, <laughs> in terms of is that right, you, you're kind of going to have to do your own research about what you want to vote for. But if you're asking me, the answer is no. Um, Look, she, so- she's halfway there. She registered. There's not a fucking chance she's going to vote, though. So here's the deal. I got this postcard in the mail because I'm registered no party preference. That's right. And this is kind of a PSA for people who may be registered as no party preference in their own state. And they sent me this notice because the presidential primary election is coming up March 3rd, 2020, it says here. Here in California. And they said that because I'm no party preference... I can request a partisan ballot, but only for these parties, the Democratic Party, the American Independent Party, and the Libertarian Party. So Republican Party is not listed here. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. (laughs) That's because they have a closed primary. Right. They only allow members of their party to pick the candidate. Right. So... This can get kind of confusing, though, for people, right? Yeah, it's a state-by-state thing. Yeah. Um, So it's important just to kind of figure out what party you're registered with, which ballot you're going to have access to. Those kinds of things are important to figure out in advance, right? Now, if you're registered in the Democratic Party, you don't have anything to worry about, right? But if you aren't registered in a party, you just want to make sure that you won't be affected by parties having closed primaries. Yeah, because, listen... The California has an open primary. The Democrats have an open primary. That's not the way it is in all states. There are Mm -hmm. many states where the Democrats also have a closed primary. So people who are registered Republicans can't come and vote in the Democratic primary. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it protects against. I see both sides of having an open and a closed primary. Mm -hmm. But California is so blue, so deep blue, there's really no fear of Republicans throwing a monkey wrench into things, you know? Yeah. So just wanted to do that little PSA, uh, do your little checks before the presidential primary election. <laughs> Thank you. This is an email from Rebecca in Atlanta. 
Hey, Jesse and Brittany, I have a few comments on some things from episode 642 and wanted to share my thoughts. I'm kind of melding things together, so I'll do my best to be cohesive. I wanted to talk about my personal thoughts on modesty first. And I feel like any conversation about modesty isn't as productive as it could be unless we acknowledge the true issue behind modesty doctrine. And that is the conversation isn't about modesty as much as it is about women. If a man is fully dressing in slacks and a turtleneck, he's not a prude. And if he's seen in public with basketball shorts and no shirt, he's not a slut. Modesty is commonly used as a way to tell someone who was born with a vagina that they are responsible for others' actions and that they should be aware of their own body for the sake of others. It infers that women exist to be gazed at by men. Until we can begin to dismantle this method of objectifying and dehumanizing the female race, the modesty conversation will never really be about the right of an individual to choose what they are most comfortable in. Modesty is subjective. Modesty is contextual and a lack of empathy for the way it affects humans leads to situations where a grown man can feel confident enough to think he will get away with assaulting a woman on live television while she does her job. It may be part of why a mother feels entitled to tell her own daughter that she would feel embarrassed to be seen by her own family members because her appearance doesn't fit the standards she had in mind for her, like my mother did to me right after Thanksgiving this year. I was reminded of this while listening to you speak on your opinions of the Mr. Rogers film in theaters, and I wanted to say thank you, Brittany, for making a point to say it shouldn't be an adult's responsibility to forgive someone or mend a toxic relationship just for the sake of the other person. My mother has tried to tear me down in the past, many times more successfully than now, and I've given her opportunities to learn from past mistakes. But she questioned my very person and assumed I was unhappy because I wasn't turning out how she thought I would. She disrespected my sexuality, she disrespected my friendships, and she told me I was a terrible daughter. Now, obviously, I don't need your permission to forgive my mother in a way I see suitable to this situation, but your comments on this specific matter just serve as one of the many reminders I have right now that tell me the removal of this person from my life is the right choice for the foreseeable future. I'm lucky to have the support I do currently and would not be able to move past this without the people in my life. Thanks as always. You guys are great. My father, who is also an avid listener of the show, and all my friends and loved ones are the best part. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you, Rebecca, for that email. And we're sorry to hear that that you're going through that experience. You know, sometimes we get emails like this uh, from people experiencing hardships with their family members and having to make these difficult choices. And like you said, you don't need our permission to do anything. And I'm glad that you said that. I hope that people, when they listen to us, don't take things that we say and then immediately go act on them, right? God, please do not. Uh, because, Especially where it relates to my dumb ass. Well, because this is not an advice-giving podcast. That's not what happens here, yeah. right? But hopefully we have conversations that can spark some new thinking, right? Spark yeah. different ways of looking at things. And it sounds like, Rebecca, you are taking steps to protect your mental health, and that's a really important thing to do. Yeah. Well, l let me say this. For the men out there, that is an awesome point. And one that because as humans, or I'll just speak for myself, because as this human goes through life, I often 
and I think this is the tendency, see the world through my experiences and through my eyes. And the point that Rebecca made about modesty being something that is appended to women, that is an awesome fucking point that needs to be driven home and need needs to be reminded. It's I'll just speak for myself again, to me, over and over. Because you don't think of a dude wearing too short of shorts. You, you don't, oh, that tank top is a little revealing. Oh, he's not wearing a shirt. You don't think, oh, how immodest of him. You don't think that. But in, in other words, maybe, maybe not the word modesty will come to mind. You will think that is an immodest woman. And that shouldn't be the case. We are all people. We are all adults. The same standards should be applied. If it bothers you, let's say you live in a religious community, a a conservative religious community where you have, you know, Pentecostal holiness ladies in long flowing pioneer type dresses with the little bonnet on their heads and their, their, their husbands are walking around in shorts and polos. That should bother you because that is a different standard of modesty for the woman than it is for the man. Same thing for Muslim cultures, hyper-religious Muslim cultures where there's a hijab or the niqab, the whole thing. Cultural influences notwithstanding, we are all the same. We are all equal. Yeah, and as a reminder, we, we said this last time, let's say it again, that it's really about women's choice, right? And like I said last time, it's very difficult to parse out where choice in societal or cultural influence ends or begins, right? Because that is intermingled in a very strong way. So, but if someone is choosing to be modest, okay, for whatever reason, then, then that should be respected that person should not be talked to inappropriately, abused, harassed, none of that, right? If someone wants to live and dress modestly, whatever that means to them, then that's that's fine, right? But when we start getting into discrimination, harassment, and this goes for people that don't dress modestly too, right? When when those comments start that's when this is a problem, yeah. right? Um, respecting the individual choice of whoever we're talking about is is really what the focus should be. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, thank you for the email. We appreciate it. Um, got another call. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Ava from Nashville. Question regarding impeachment. If Trump is impeached by the House and if he is not removed by the Senate... And if new information comes to light regarding this and or any other illegal activity that he seems prone to uh, enjoy, can he be impeached by the House again? Um, The phrase double jeopardy comes to mind, so I'm just, I don't know if that applies here, but um, if he just keeps doing the same, same stupid shit that he's always done, can he be impeached again? I guess that's my question. Thanks, you guys are great. Well, double jeopardy, Ava, is is you can't be tried for the same crime twice. So if he has been impeached for this particular thing, which they outlined 
specifically with both articles of impeachment, uh, abuses of power and then uh, contempt of Congress. It's not just, oh, contempt of Congress and then they don't explain. They go through and they outline in each volume, in each article, uh, what exactly that entailed. So if Donald Trump does something in contempt of Congress that is different, it is a separate crime and absolutely can, he can be impeached again. If he were to, it's it, it just, it, it's not like conviction of just uh, a panoply, just a general uh, set of, of circumstances. It's specific things for which they're impeaching him. So it, it, look at it as a crime. If you kill one person and you get acquitted, and then you kill another person, you it, they can't they don't just oh well we already brought him to trial for murder once so he he gets away with it that's that's not how it works so yeah it's absolutely if he continues this behavior if he continues to 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 flout his oath of office and his his loyalty and you know the 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 oath he swore to protect and defend and serve the constitution and see that the the laws are faithfully executed he he absolutely can be impeached again now it what comes into play here is the political expediency of doing so making it look like they're just going after him time after time after time that's why this election is so goddamn important to get rid of donald trump so we don't have to face those types of public relations nightmares so on the topic of impeachment, we have an email here from Jen in Long Beach. And I just want to say before I start reading this email that these are all Jen's words. Okay. All yeah, right. All right. <laughs> Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Trump is impeached. Finally. Or maybe not. Mitch McTurtle will definitely make it very hard to get him out because he's such a brown noser. Side note, I'm jumping in here. I want you guys to keep that line in mind because I want to come back to it. Okay. The... Trump is impeached finally, or maybe not, because of Mitch McConnell. Okay, keep that in mind. Okay, now back to Jen's words. Okay. <laughs> I mean, imagine telling the public you won't be impartial when your very job is to be as impartial as possible in cases like this. Is that guy trying to make people throw a parade of happiness when he dies? Fortunately, Kentucky seems to be sick of his shit because I've actually seen a lot of comments on McTurtle's Facebook page of Republicans endorsing Amy McGrath and stating how much they hate him. So if McTurtle defends Trump and Trump stays, he could lose his Senate seat and many Republicans could as well, turning the Senate blue. If Trump wins re-election, God forbid, he could be faced with a blue House and blue Senate and maybe we can start cleaning up this mess. If McTurtle fails and Trump is removed from office, then oh, happy day. This is my attempt of finding a win-win. I know it would probably not happen, but we can only dream. Size. Thanks, guys. So this Trump is impeached, finally, or maybe not. Mitch McTurtle will definitely make it hard to get him out. So let's just start here. Very, very common thing I've seen around. Trump is impeached. Period. P period. Trump has been impeached. He was impeached. That is a 100% fact. Nothing can take it away. <laughs> Even if Nancy Pelosi wanted to undo it, there is no mechanism by which to undo his impeachment. He, Donald Trump, is impeached. Now, was impeached. Now, the process of removal 
is different. Okay, so there's no Trump is impeached or maybe not because of what could happen in the future. No, he's impeached. He's only the third president in history. That's right. To ever be impeached. And that is forever on his record now. He is now an asterisk president. Yeah. I mean, think of that. And and I also want to touch on this because I've seen a lot of people saying, and this this goes to the removal question, what does it matter? Why did we impeach Donald Trump if he's ultimately not going to be removed from office? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, impeachment in and of itself is a consequence. People are acting as though the only legitimate consequence here is removing him from office. And while I while I agree that that is the necessary next step in terms of the consequence and it should happen, Impeachment in and of itself is a consequence. Like I just said, he's the third president in history to be impeached. That is a mark on his record, right? He's going to be in the history books with other turds that were impeached, right? I mean, well, the other part of it is, for me, a principal argument. Let's go back to like a real crime in a real court. If someone robs a bank or assaults someone or kills someone and you don't have a ton of of evidence and it might be difficult to secure uh, a conviction, but you know he did it. You know he did it. You don't not seek prosecution because of it because you need to try to convict this individual to have them answer for their crime. When did and I see this I see this a lot. I live streamed on Wednesday. Was that the day of the the impeachment vote? Whatever day of the impeachment vote was. Mm-hmm. For f- over 4 hours I live streamed on YouTube. And lost I lost your I, voice a bit. I I did lose my voice a bit. I saw I saw a lot of those comments. Well, what's what's the matter? It's nothing going to happen. It matters because if we don't stand up as Americans, if we don't stand up as Democrats against this lawlessness, we are setting a precedent that this is okay. This You can do this and be consequence-free. No. No, it matters. For the future of our country, it matters. So... Yes, absolutely, impeachment isn't the removal of it. That's part of it, but impeachment's already done. It's He will be impeached and removed from office. Yeah, so I, I want to read a Facebook post that popped up in my feed because it's been, it's been, it hasn't been as bad, I will say, to be on social media. And I don't know if that's because we have all further reinforced our echo chambers online or what yeah. you <laughs> you know, curated like, your own network yeah but i i saw this post and someone that i went to high school with that never read a book in high school and i'm not sure most certainly hasn't since i'm not i'm not <laughs> sure what has been happening since high school right that was a while ago so i'm i'm sure i'm sure something has changed in that regard but they don't typically post about politics and they shared this status after Trump was impeached, okay? So it, it was official, he had been impeached, and this person shared this status. Every one of y'all blowing up my feed with your stupid Trump impeachment posts is getting unfollowed and maybe unfriended if you have extra ignorance peppered into the post. Stop being low-intelligent sheep. 
even if you don't like that guy, that doesn't mean he is impeached yet. And you idiots see a Facebook post with his picture and the word impeached and you blow up like a 10 year old child. I've reached my wits in with you people. I'm ashamed of my own country's intelligence and critical thinking skills. Yeah, that guy's calling you out, folks, because he is a constitutional scholar who understands the process of impeachment. He could go into detail about Article 1, Section 2, Article 1, Section 3, Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution, all of which discuss impeachment. So <laughs> this was so frustrating to me, and I, I didn't do anything with it, but the, just You the, just screenshot it for, yeah, for posterity's sake. Yeah, because look at, I mean, how, how self-righteous and sure of themselves this person is. And while being dead fucking wrong. Yeah, it's just it's kind of sad, honestly. But I also I just wonder how often that's happening, you know, and it really isn't that difficult to if you are interested in, in impeachment and you're interested how this stuff works to open up a new tab on Google yeah. right, outside of your Facebook page and just Google how does impeachment work? You know, and and there will be various websites that explain it at various levels of complexity. Yeah, so it, it it's not that difficult, and I understand that a lot of this is motivated reasoning and political bias there too, it, and that obviously complicates things. But it, it's just frustrating to see people that act so sure of themselves yeah. lashing out <laughs> at other people when it's just a fact. You know, I just yeah. he was impeached, guy. That like, guy I don't, is a hundred percent a flat earther. So. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that, you know? Either do I. Yeah. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Okay, so we have some new Patreon supporters here. Yeah. And I apologize to the first person here because I may say your name incorrectly. And listen, this has happened before. Just message us and tell us how to say your name. Yeah, with Jartan in, in Sweden. Yeah, also Reina for a long time. I'm probably still fucking up Jartan's name. Mm-hmm. We just call him Bob now. Yeah. Do you remember Raina too? Yeah, we called her Renia. Yeah, for like the longest time. And finally she's like, um. Hey, dicks. Yeah, my name's Raina. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all it takes. And then we we fix we fix ourselves, that is right? right? We get our act together. So, Shuresh. Shuresh. Mm-hmm. Will. Will. And Robin. Robin. Which one of those did you fuck up? The first one, I think. <laughs> Uh, um, we got a message from Robin on Patreon. I'm going to read here. My Christmas gift to myself this year is beginning to support you monthly. Only wish it could be more. Your words of truth help help your words of truth help offset the deep wounds inflicted by each shameful lie that spews from the GOP. Downright painful and depressing for this old former Republican to hear. But you validate the truth, expand my knowledge, and make me laugh. I guess that makes you my hero. Keep up the good work, the righteous work, Jesse and Brittany. We all need you, even the MAGAs, whether they know it or not. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's uh, very, very nice. That was very nice. Hits the hits the spot. We also wanted to say we got a donation on pain, PayPal, 
And this says, hey, mouth breathers, money is a bit shit at the moment, so I can't commit to Patreon. I would like you to have a Christmas drink on me, though. Enjoy my American friends. Nice. Very nice. America. Yeah. So that was a good message to receive. Um, And we will enjoy a drink. We will. Yes, thank you very much for Fantastic. sending that. Fantastic. So we just want to thank each and every one of you that have taken the time to support us in our goal of doing the show. <laughs> it's been going pretty well, it's us lo- meeting this goal. A lofty goal, almost six years in the making. Yeah. And listen, if you don't support us on Patreon or PayPal, that's fine too. We appreciate those of you who shop at dollmore.com slash Amazon link to make Jeff Bezos even richer. Mm. We also appreciate those of you who raise and review us on iTunes using profanity-free language in your review. I would invite everybody, if you have an iTunes account, to go in and rate us on the Apple Podcast. That's a a major way to force us into... We get recommended. They put us into a section called New and Noteworthy, even though we're not new. That's just what they call it. It's a big deal. So if if you have a, a moment free... Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And we also want to thank you if you take the time to listen to us each and every week here as well. We really want to hear from you guys. Don't forget that a big part of this show is the conversation that we have with listeners, people keeping us in check about things that we say, ensuring that we are not only accurate, but also handling our conversations in a way that gives them enough context that brings in different variables, different ways of seeing things. And that can only happen through people sharing their experiences and and what their understanding is of the things that we talk about. So please email us. Please call in with your thoughts. If you haven't done it before, take that risk. Have it be your New Year's resolution. (laughs) 657-464-7609 or idoubtit at dollamore.com. Just create us as a contact in your phone and put that phone number in there and the email so it makes it a little bit easier whenever you have a thought. We also want to say that we appreciate each and every one of you, regardless of what your contribution to the show is, if it's supporting on Patreon, PayPal, shopping on Amazon, reviewing the show, or listening to the show, it all means so much to us that you join us in this journey. So thank you for being there with us. Absolutely. I I don't know whether it was last time on the show. I think it was the, the show before, episode 641, where we talked about the the boy in Utah who has two dads, and he is in the process of being adopted by these two gentlemen. And a teacher found out, he was, he was, what are you thankful for this year? I'm thankful for my, my, my two dads and being adopted. And then at which point his substitute teacher in Utah berated him, called him out. That's nothing to be thankful for. Two students came to his aid, went to the principal's office, uh, and she was summarily and immediately removed from the school. That was fantastic. We talked about it. CBS actually sat down with the boy and his parents, and we wanted to play this as a follow-up because it's really, it's good news. Welcome back to CBS This Morning and only on CBS This Morning. We're hearing for the first time from a Utah boy who was subjected to a homophobic rant by his substitute teacher. The teacher, who was later fired, berated the fifth grader for being adopted by two men. Louie and Josh Amstel officially adopted 11-year-old Daniel just yesterday. And we sat down with the new family to discuss what happened in class last month. It was a controversy that started 
when the teacher asks the kids what they're thankful for. I am thankful for my dad and dad, my family, my dogs, and everybody that I live with now. What makes them good dads? They discipline me when I do bad things. They help me, they keep me out of trouble, and they give me sometimes what I want. They love you too, I imagine. Uh, yeah. Daniel Van Amstel has lived with Louie and Josh for six months. But when he mentioned his pending adoption at his elementary school outside Salt Lake City... What happened? The teacher insulted my family. What did she do? Well, she first said, why would you be happy you'd be adopted by them? And that's when one of the three kids, one's in my class, they, they stuck up for me and said, let's stop. But she kept going and she said, are you going to be gay? Are you going to be? And I have no idea. What was it like to hear the teacher say that there's something wrong with them? Honestly, I went red. I didn't like what the, she said. What does that mean, you went red? Uh, I was very mad. Because it not, it's not right, nice to insult other families, even if you don't like them. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. If you could talk to that teacher now, what would you tell her? I would tell her you should have made better choices in life. Louis, what's it like for you hearing him talk about this incident? Don't cry. <laughs> Too late. Louis, who you may recognize from Dancing with the Stars, says Daniel's been through five foster families and one failed adoption and was fearful this one could be in jeopardy, too. So he also became red at school because of, I don't want to get this teacher in trouble because if I get in trouble, my parents will not adopt me. So he stayed quiet. The girl stood up for him. He was just sitting there quietly answering the questions and looked really scared. Classmates Demi and Sophie say they couldn't stay silent. All of us were uncomfortable, and so, like, I didn't want to be any longer in that situation, and so I just had to stop it. Sophie tried to change the topic in class, and Demi went to the principal's office. I mean, I was a bit scared to go in there, but after that, I knew I was doing the right thing. The principal removed the teacher and called Josh. Our child had been bullied by a superior, by somebody who was brought in from the school in order to teach these children um, fifth grade math, fifth grade, you know, English. They, she's not there to teach semantics. She's not there to teach her, her personal religious views. The staffing company she worked for apparently agreed. They fired her. How do you feel about that? I feel she could have done better. Even if she didn't like it, she didn't have to say that. But I'm glad she got her lesson taught. It's called karma, so. <laughs> we did not say any of this. This is him. <laughs> but it was Louie who took yeah, this conversation public when he shared the story on social media. We are not letting this go. All of this is happening against a backdrop in which the Trump administration is trying to make it acceptable and legal for religious organizations to say no to same-sex couples who want to adopt. <laughs> Looking just at this picture, would we be people that agree with that? No. Look at this young gentleman that would still be in the foster care if it were up to them. 
Is that what they want? Have you had a chance to talk to the substitute? No, we don't know her name. We don't know who she is. Um, but I would love to have lunch with her mm -mm. and sit down. Why not? I do not like her. If I ever saw her again, I'd probably have a heart attack. No, you won't. Why would she ever say what she said to him before she actually met us? If we're bad people and we steal, we do bad things, then she can have an opinion about that. But because we happen to be gay before she met us, nah, I would love to have lunch with her. What did this whole experience teach you about your family, about your school, about your community? Uh, it doesn't matter what family you have. It just matters if you love them or not. And yes, I do love them. So when we originally played this clip, the the child was identified with only his initials in the article. We we didn't know his name. He hadn't come forward and 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 put his face and name out there. And now he's doing that. Yeah. And I thought this was a really nice moment because we get to hear from him in his own words what happened, number one, but also how he's doing since. Yeah, it's that's the part I think is so great is the fact that he didn't want the reason he was concerned about this whole thing blowing up is that he thought it would scuttle his impending adoption with these two gentlemen because he had had two previous adoptions that fell through for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So he was a, he had anxiety about that. And it's nice to see that some of that has been belayed by whomever. I'm sure they reassured him, no, you don't worry about that. We're going to take care of you. We still want to adopt you. You don't have to be silent. And to me, that's that's very important. Yeah. So we're glad that this had a positive outcome, both in the child being okay, but also in the substitute teacher losing her job. And hopefully she will not be in a classroom. Yeah. I mean, that's always, well, you know, it is kind of a, uh, like she lost her job. You don't want somebody to lose their job. But listen. You don't, some people aren't suited for the job they have, and we need to protect our kids more and more aggressively than we're protecting her job with kids. Because that was active damage she was doing, not just to this young kid, but to the classroom filled with young kids, spewing her religious-based bigotry and propaganda as though it's fact. And I'm sure reinforcing the beliefs of some of the kids in the class. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I was thinking about, too, in terms of what the lasting damage here was, that I'm sure there were some kids in that classroom that were sympathetic to her views, agree with her views. And I just that makes me yeah. very uneasy because I, <laughs> I don't want young people getting the message that, like, it's OK to behave like that. Uh, but I think that, once again, if you remember from the original story, the, the three girls who walked out and got the principal, this substitute was walked out of that classroom and walked out of the school. So if those kids who did feel yeah. sympathetic, did agree with her views, were feeling solidarity with her in that moment, well, they also received a message yeah. when she got marched out of the classroom and marched out of the school immediately. Yeah. And it, well, and then metaphorically, their views are being marched out of the school. Yeah. And sent away mm -hmm. to be fired. Maybe I'm 
I'm not sure that elementary school kids are going to get that, um, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe later on am down get, the line. Am I getting too poetic with it? I think so. I think so. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So as we said... And as I'm sure you know, Donald Trump has been impeached by the 116th Congress. Good times had by all, unless you're a Republican who is a nut nut or butter. Also, shout out to our congressman, Harley Ruda, who we've had on the show twice. Three, Three times at least. Okay. And he voted to impeach Donald Trump as that well. That is right. Yeah. Fantastic. Very nice. So, you know, I would say this. Uh, if you do have a, a congressman or a woman who, who who did the right thing here, the, send them a, a little note. Send them a shoot, shoot them a quick email. Thank you for doing the right thing. To reinforce with them that their constituency is behind them. Uh, a lot of times these votes... Obviously, they should be made on on the on their face, on the morality of the issue, on the ethics of the issue, on the constitutionality of the issue, with principle in mind. But that's not always the case, as we witnessed with Van Drew, this 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 former Democrat from New Jersey, who not only didn't vote to impeach Donald Trump, he also switched parties, met with Donald Trump in the Oval Office, and is now a Republican. Now he's evaporated all his staff. They left most of the staff left him because they didn't fucking sign up to be a Trump sycophant. But largely the vote was I mean overwhelmingly the vote was a party line vote, which is a bummer. There were a few instances all day for like 9 hours it was back and forth speeches from Democrats and then Republicans, Democrats and Republicans in support of or in opposition to impeaching Donald Trump. There's only a, f- a few that I'm going to play here, like three little clips that I'm going to play here that I thought were noteworthy. No Democrats am I going to play because I think we understand what their position was. They conducted the investigation. We watched hours and hours of, of House testimony before the Intelligence Committee and the Judiciary Committee. We know what they say. But I'm going to play here like a minute and a half speech from Justin Amash from Michigan, the former Republican. He also left his party, but he didn't come to the Democrats. He became an independent. The libertarian, Justin Amash, who did vote to impeach Donald Trump. I am pleased to recognize the gentleman from Michigan, Mr. Amash, for two minutes. Gentlemen's recognized for two minutes. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I rise today in support of these articles of impeachment. I come to this floor not as a Democrat, not as a Republican, but as an American who cares deeply about the Constitution, the rule of law, and the rights of the people. Under our system of government, impeachment is not about policy disagreements or ineffective governance nor is it about criminality based on statutes that did not exist at the time our Constitution was written. Impeachment is about maintaining the integrity of the office of the presidency and ensuring that executive power is directed toward proper ends in accordance with the law. The Constitution grants the House the sole power of impeachment and the Senate 
the sole power to try all impeachments. We in the House are empowered to charge impeachable conduct. The Constitution describes such conduct as high crimes and misdemeanors, but because it pertains to high office and relates to the misuse of that office. We need not rely on any other branch or body to endorse our determinations. We have the sole power of impeachment. In Federalist Number 65, Alexander Hamilton wrote that high crimes and misdemeanors, quote, are those offenses which proceed from the misconduct of public men, or in other words, from the abuse or violation of some public trust. They are of a nature which may, with peculiar propriety, be denominated political as they relate chiefly to injuries done immediately to the society itself, end quote. President Donald J. Trump has abused and violated the public trust by using his high office to solicit the aid of a foreign power, not for the benefit of the United States of America, but instead for his personal and political gain. His actions reflect precisely the type of conduct the framers of the Constitution intended to remedy through the power of impeachment, and it is our duty to impeach him. I yield back. This sums up exactly why Donald Trump should have been impeached. Also, you could say why he was. Yeah, but I mean, he's given the justifications for it uh-huh. here. That obviously, and this is something Republicans say all the time, that, oh, you know, we exert pressure on 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 states all the time, countries all the time to do what is in the best interest of the United States. Right. That's not what Donald Trump did here. He didn't further the security interests, the economic interests of the United States by calling for this investigation and withholding the taxpayer-funded aid, military aid to Ukraine. There was no interest whatsoever from a national security standpoint or a diplomatic standpoint that would affect positively the United States as a whole. He did this to further his own personal political agenda. That is why this is so egregious. That is why this is so unprecedented. And that is why he was impeached. Now, the other two speeches, both very brief, just like this one that I'm going to (laughs) play, they really go to just how fucking desperate Republicans are to make a case against impeachment. They're not saying Donald Trump is innocent of this. He was tr- doing something in the in the national security interest of the country as a whole. They're not saying that. Instead, they're saying things like, uh, this is worse than Pearl Harbor where thousands of Americans <laughs> died. Uh, December is such a great month and there's so many great dates in December and we talk about the wonderful things that have happened in December's of the past. There's also... Uh, in addition to Christmas being something we celebrate, the Boston Tea Party took place in December. But also on December 7, 1941, a horrific act happened in, in, in the United States. And it's one that President Roosevelt said, this is a date that will live in infamy. Today, December the 18th, 2019, is another date that will live in infamy. When just because you hate the President of the United States and you can find no other reason other than the fact that you're so blinded by your hate that you can't see straight, that you've decided the only way we can make sure this President doesn't get elected again is to impeach him. On the floor of the people's house, the bastion of democracy and liberty in the whole world, we have decided that political power 
is far more important than principle. I would urge all members of the House to vote no on impeachment and to look their voters in the eye and remember. Listen, let me tell you, the voters will remember next November what you're doing this December. This is a terrible time. This is a date that will live in infamy. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I yield back. So that was Mike Kelly, Congressman Mike Kelly. Are they embarrassed? Yeah, it, it is. They have to be. It gets worse. We're going to cover something else coming up here. But I just want to talk about that specific example for a second. This isn't the first time he's used Pearl Harbor and even 9-11 to compare. During the Obamacare debates, when it was passed and there was a mandate to cover contraception, he compared government-funded contraception for women to give them choice over their reproduction he, he compared that to Pearl Harbor and to 9-11. Oh, God. What a fundamental perversion of understanding of our history in this country. 2,400 people died on Pearl Harbor. Almost 1,200 were wounded. Thousands of people dead or wounded. And he's comparing that to holding an immoral, unethical, unconstitutional president accountable. So he he uses this example repeatedly. Yeah. So what do you think that's about? Do you think that it's kind of his go-to because it is it works, it's convincing, or because he just doesn't know of any other way to be manipulative? I, I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> it must really resonate with him. That, that, you know, it's like people comparing people to Hitler. Uh-huh. Like, that's their go-to. Yeah. It's the same thing. He's just not very smart of a guy. It's it's just, it's odd because most of the coverage I've seen of it has been, like, laughing at him. Oh, and, for and, sure. And so I wonder if... As is what we're doing right now. Right. <laughs> so I wonder if maybe this is the first time that he's he's gotten a response like that, and maybe he'll, he'll stop using this. Ah, you'd hope so. Yeah. You'd really... I mean, I think that the... The, the ability to meme and the ability to something go viral and make fun of someone has certainly grown and matured since, since Obamacare passed. Mm. I mean, the internet was in full force then, but it's, you know, it's matured. It's, we've, we've, we've really gotten our sea legs under us relative to, to making fun of somebody online. Mm-hmm. So maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. The other thing, if you think this was terrible... I was actually live streaming when this happened, and I had the volume up on the guy. Comparing what is happening to Donald Trump to the trial and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This is Loudermilk, is his last name. Congressman Loudermilk. Madam Speaker, I rise today in opposition not only to these articles of impeachment, but in strong opposition to the process that has brought us to this point. Our Constitution and Bill of Rights are all about process. Our founders knew that a government without constraints could accuse anyone of any crime at any time, even without compelling evidence. That's why the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendments established a bedrock principle of innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But on November the 14th, Speaker Pelosi informed the press that the president should prove his innocence when she stated, Mr. President, if you have anything that shows your innocence, then he should make that known. 
The Constitution also guarantees that the accused can call witnesses to testify on their behalf, but the Republicans and the President were continually denied that right throughout this process. The Sixth Amendment guarantees the right of the defendant to face their accuser, but not only have the Democrats prohibited Republicans and the President from questioning the so-called whistleblower, his identity has been kept secret. Before you take this historic vote today, one week before Christmas, I want you to keep this in mind. When Jesus was falsely accused of treason, Pontius Pilate gave Jesus the opportunity to face his accusers. During that sham trial, Pontius Pilate afforded more rights to Jesus than the Democrats have afforded this president in this process. I yield back. Are you kidding me? Not even Jesus had it bad as Donald Trump, y'all. Y'all crucified my president. What is he talking about? What has the, where has the Republican Party gone? It has lost its collective fucking mind. Comparing, and this guy's obviously a Christian. He's comparing what is happening, the constitutional process by which Donald Trump is being impeached for his clear violations of his oath of office to the crucifixion of his ostensible Lord and Savior that Jesus, who was killed, had it better than Donald Trump. God damn. Yeah, and imagine if a non-believer had gotten up there and and said the same thing. Like this would not be okay for a non-believer to say. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason it's okay for like an evangelical Christian to say, right? I mean, that's just my take on it. That's what I assume would be the case. Like he would be pretty upset if uh what is it, Semena from Arizona? She's an agnostic, Christian sentiment, right? Yeah. Uh, if she got up there and said something like this, like she wouldn't have the right to make that yeah. comparison. How dare you talk about my Jesus? Yeah. So, but it, it it's not surprising that this comparison was made given all of the comparisons to Jesus and being the savior and being God's chosen one. Yeah. The chosen one. Right. That they, they believe to be true about Donald Trump. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, the other, the other item related to impeachment that I want to talk about is there was one present vote. Mm. You have the the ability to vote yay or nay or present or not vote. And there was one vote for present that I'm here, but I'm not coming down on this issue. I'm just going to register that I was present when I during these proceedings. And that was Tulsi Gabbard, who is such a fucking political coward that she couldn't see through to either say, yeah, I want this guy impeached, or no, the evidence doesn't rise to the level. I'm so shocked to hear you say that because I heard Megan McCain say that Tulsi Gabbard has balls of steel oh, for, yeah. for this vote. So I'm, I'm shocked that that's your take on it, Jesse. Well, I thought that you would agree well, with that. What does it tell you when Megan McCain is standing in the gap for you? Mm-hmm. Not just David Duke, but Megan McCain. Uh, David Duke has defended Tulsi Gabbard, just to clarify that statement. Oh, also, she is his cover photo on Twitter. Yeah, I just, I wanted to make sure that it was, that people didn't take that to mean that Meghan McCain is, like, defending David Duke. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. no. Just the, this weird element out there that thinks she's the greatest thing. Anyway, I want to, I want to give her a chance to respond. 
Here's her explanation, which again is just fucking word salad, buzzword, rah, 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 American flag, let's all come together nonsense. It doesn't really fucking mean anything. But if you're, if you tend to get swept away by that kind of thing, this might work for you. Here's the deal. Politics should not be a zero sum game, but tragically that's exactly what it's become. And it's polluted the whole nature of our politics. The point of politics should not be about doing maximum damage to your opponents just to win, because all that's happened, as has in the case of our current America, is that people get hurt and nothing gets done. So my stance yesterday, my vote, was opting out of this zero-sum game mindset and back into one of negotiation and compromise. We're stuck right now in this terrible scenario where everyone is trying to exact maximum hurt from their opponent for a quote-unquote win. My present vote was not passive. It was an active protest against the terrible fallout of this zero-sum mindset that the two opposing political parties have trapped America in. There's no winning here. Everyone is losing. Our country is losing. So if we, we, if we don't break this stalemate we find ourselves in, America's done for. My vote and my campaign for president is about freeing our country from this damaging mindset so that we can work side by side to usher in a brighter future for all Americans. So she is clearly leaving a little, the door cracked open a little bit for Fox to come calling once she's not a congresswoman anymore to offer her a job. That's my prediction. She's going to end up at Fox either as a paid political contributor or as as a, 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 a host of some sort. Mm-hmm. But, but let's talk about, that is an accusation against the Democrats. She is asserting, just by her words, that... Politics shouldn't be maximum damage just to win. By saying that, by bringing that into the lexicon here, she's asserting that that's what Democrats are doing here. That this isn't a justified movement to impeach Donald Trump. This is the Democrats just trying to do maximum damage just to win. Which is a perversion of what the the circumstances are here of what Donald Trump has done and and what Donald Trump is being impeached for that doesn't even include the obstruction of justice in the Mueller report. She is a political coward. And let me tell you, people at home in Hawaii, they're not happy about it either. But she's not running for re-election, so eh, what's the matter to her? Yeah, in fact, the uh, state senator who's running to succeed her in Congress said that the two most consequential votes that a member of Congress will ever cast is whether to send troops into harm's way and whether to impeach the president. And that her decision to vote present was, quote, disappointing and unacceptable. He also called it a political stunt. Yeah. Yeah. For sure what it was. Um, I wanted to note here in this AP article, they reference a website, govtrack.us. And this website says that Gabbard has missed 88%, 88 88.7% of the 141 House votes taken in the past three months. (laughs) So. She's protesting. That's also (laughs) protest, Brittany. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Glad she could show up for this one. Come on, With her present vote. That's great. So anyway, uh, 
Donald Trump was, while this was all taking place, Donald Trump was out on the campaign trail again at a goddamn rally in Michigan. But before we get to that, Joe Scarborough, former Republican congressman from Florida, Joe Scarborough, he's the host of Morning Joe with him and Mika Brzezinski. It's usually like a, a panel of like 45 people on the screen. Uh, he had something to say about how this Republican Party that, that has defended Donald Trump, that gave speeches about Jesus and Pearl Harbor, is, is not <laughs> recognizable to, to him when he was a Republican. That Donald Trump has so infested their minds and, and poisoned their loyalties that they are now not the party they once were. That the, 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 the ethos and the, the, the principles that they claim to stand for just are no longer recognizable. Well, and it has nothing to do with politics, it has nothing to do with ideology. I keep looking for a small government Republican on Capitol Hill. They no longer exist. Good luck. Largest budgets ever, largest deficits ever, largest federal debt ever, largest socialist spending scheme ever. Donald Trump's socialist spending scheme to bail out agricultural industrial interests. Actually, more money than the auto bailout that Republicans were so freaked out about. Uh, in 2009, uh, the money is flying all over the place. Even this budget extension that they passed a couple of days ago, we ran Newt Gingrich out of town over an omnibus appropriations act that was smaller than that. It is really incredible how radical, how big spending these Republicans have been because ideology doesn't matter. It's all tribal. It's all about defending the flag. It's all about defending the failed reality TV host. That's what Republicanism has boiled down to, and everybody knows it. Republicans on the Hill know it. Republicans in the Senate know it. Republicans in the House know it. Trump's. Everything that we fought for when we, when we balanced the budget for four years in a row in the 90s, these Republicans have betrayed. They've betrayed Burke. They've betrayed Kirk. They've betrayed Buckley. They've betrayed Reagan. They've betrayed those of us who fought like hell to balance the budget for the first time in a generation and four years in a row for the first time in a century. And what do they do? They spend like drunken socialists. They are shameful and they're doing it all in defense of a man who contributed to Hillary Clinton eight times, who contributed to Charlie Rangel, who contributed to Elliot Spitzer, who contributed money to Anthony Weiner, who contributed money to Kamala Harris, who contributed hundreds of thousands of dollars to the DNC. That is a man that they have allowed destroy conservatism once and for all. And yesterday, Willie, they shamed themselves themselves again, shamed themselves again by going over the cliff for this former Democrat who said in 2008 that he loved Nancy Pelosi. He had great respect for her, except he wishes she would have impeached George W. Bush. So <laughs> this uh, clip reminds me of what you were talking about at the front of the show, at the top of the show, which is about principle. Yeah, they have none. Mm hmm. It, it, this is about political expediency and holding on to power. Yeah. That's all this is. Right. Because the man 
that they have defended, that they're comparing to Jesus. The man who's, who has it worse than Jesus was in Michigan at a political rally talking about former Congressman John Dingell, a man who served in World War II and died last year. Or early this year, he died. Democratic Party. That's right, Democrat. The longest serving member of the House in the history of the United States of America. And Donald Trump gets out there, this man who has it worse than Jesus, and suggests that, by the way, John Dingell's wife, Debbie, is now a congresswoman representing the same district. In mourning, loved her husband. And you'll hear this. I'm going to play a clip of her. And while she is living, Donald Trump is out there suggesting to a crowd of thousands that John Dingle, eh, he might just be burning in hell. Dingle, you ever hear of her, Michigan? Debbie Dingle, that's a real beauty. So she calls me up like eight months ago. Her husband was here a long time. But I didn't give him the B treatment. I didn't give him the C or the D. I could have. Nobody would have, you know. I gave the A-plus treatment. Take down the flags. Why are you taking them down? For ex-Congressman Dingle. Oh, okay. Do this, do that, do that. Rotunda, everything. I gave him the, everything. That's okay. I don't want anything for it. I don't need anything for anything. She calls me up. It's the nicest thing that's ever happened. Thank you so much. John would be so thrilled. He's looking down, he'd be so thrilled. Thank you so much, sir. I said, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Maybe he's looking up. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But let's assume he's looking down. But I gave him A plus, not A, not B plus, not B. I gave him the A plus. And she called me, so night. Oh, I won't go into the conversation because it's not fair to do that. But well, I'm done with that. So. So it it just continues to get worse. We know that, that, that Donald Trump is a terrible person. We know that. Something that I think we should start talking about a little bit more is the people who attend these rallies. And yeah, there were a few people who didn't laugh when he made that comment. Seemed a little shocked or even dismayed. Right. But but there were still laughter. You heard it. You heard it. And as you... Donald Trump! Baby. Yeah. As you watch the videos f- that went viral from all of this, the different things that he talked about, the toilets, the showers, yeah. all the water talk, whatever, all the incoherent ramblings, he, if, if you watch the people in the background, they are laughing, they're clapping. They're entertained They by love it. him. They're having a great time. They think it's funny. And this is really what we need to grapple with. When Donald Trump is no longer in power, yes, we won't have someone stoking all of this. We won't have that problem. But we will still have the problem that these people exist and that they are easily fooled. They want to be lied to. They want to have someone in power who behaves this way. They'll be waiting in the wings for the next Donald Trump type character to entertain them. And they will latch on. Yeah, it's exactly right. They will easily latch on. And this is really what the scary part is, because we can get rid of Donald Trump, okay? But 
what are we going to do with all this? Yeah. <laughs> what because, are we going to do with this there, serious problem? There are certainly other Donald Trumps, quote unquote, out there. Right. Who are waiting for their moment to entertain this crowd, to captivate this this voter base. Right. And and that that really is a terrifying thought. And maybe the next one will be worse than Donald Trump. Yeah. So I don't have an answer for that, but I think it's something that we should start talking about is not just, oh, my God, this is what Donald Trump said again, but also let's look at those faces in the background. What's going on with those people? Yeah. Why are they attending this rally? Why are they laughing when he says these hateful things? And why are there so many of them doing that? Yeah. Well, here's here's Representative Debbie Dingell talking to CNN about this moment. And listen for the the real hurt in her voice. The palpable pain that she's going through as a result of the president of the United States of America maligning her former husband, her 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 late husband suggested that suggesting that he's burning in hell right now and that he did everything for them an a plus thing while lying and misrepresenting the story altogether your reaction this morning congresswoman you know i think it's time to put politics aside on these kind of shots i try to be respectful of everybody i've never taken a personal shot at this president i think his family is off limits uh i was very grateful Uh, by the way he I didn't call him. He called me to tell me he was lowering the flags. And that meant a lot. But John Dingell earned his burial at Arlington Cemetery because he's a World War II veteran, longest serving member uh, in the Congress. He loved our country. President also said he was arranged for the rotunda. John Dingell wasn't in the rotunda. I didn't want anything that was out of the ordinary or something where somebody would do something special. John Dingell loved this country. He believed in bringing everybody together. He believed in our democracy. And my family's still hurting. I have a brother, John's brother. Uh, my brother-in-law is in hospice, went into hospice at Thanksgiving. And it, these kinds of things, we're family grieving. So I think we should take a lesson from this and all respect each other, period. And the broader, we need more civility in this country Some things should be off limits. And you know what? We're all human beings. I mean, just to be clear, what I hear you saying uh, beyond the appeal for humanity here is that what the president said wasn't true. He fabricated it. In some corners, that's called a lie. You didn't call him. That's the whole premise of what he, his attack on you last night. He was trying to pretend that you called him in this sort of desperate way. You didn't call him, and your husband deserved all of the accolades that he got at his funeral. It wasn't up to the president. I mean, when the president says, I could have given him the C or the D treatment, what would that have looked like? You know, I don't want to get into this tit for tat. That's going down to his level. Uh, uh, He did lower the flags, and I was grateful, and I told him that. And I think we just 
all need to really look at what's happening to the tone of rhetoric and the divisiveness in this country. I was with Republican friends, very close friends. When this happened last night, they were all there for me. Uh, I've been with Kevin Brady already this morning. I am going back to work today focused on working in a bipartisan way for the issues that matter to the people of my district, to the people of Michigan, and to Americans. And we need to all start remembering we're Americans first and work to protect this democracy. I hear you, but you're the person taking the high road. I mean, who is your message for? It's for America. So to say that we need to demand that of our elected officials, and we all need to. I don't understand. Uh, listen, uh, she's she's a woman uh, in mourning. She's clearly hurting. And, and I'm not criticizing her because she has taken the high road for sure. But at some point, pushback has to be given. Mm-hmm. You can't forever just like, oh, well, that was really lame. Oh, ignore it. I'm not saying tit for tat, but just ignoring it and and taking the high road gets no results. Because mm-hmm. he's allowed to do what he does. Maybe it is the role of, of people like us as surrogates standing in the gap for the Debbie Dingles of the world. Mm-hmm. Because Republicans surely aren't doing it. If you ask senators, they'll say, oh, well, you know, I'd rather him not tweet but I'm a fucking coward who won't say anything about it for fear that Donald Trump will withhold funding for my campaign because we treat him like a king. Alarming. Mm -hmm. It's just alarming. You did note, though, that you believe she's taking a good approach when it comes to highlighting how this hurts her. Yeah, for sure. Which is how she responded immediately via tweet when this, this clip went viral talking about how she is still in pain and she's still grieving and that this, this hurts her more than anything kind right, of a thing that yeah. it makes it more difficult just that much more difficult for her to to cope yeah i like i said i i don't think that she's making the wrong choice relative to how she's responding but i don't think that it's incumbent upon anybody else to to do the same thing i think that slings and arrows do need do need to be sent back his way maybe not from her but from fr- friends of hers, from people in the media like us, who who have a platform, because this is not right. He's the president of the United States. It's not like just some random dickface at a rally getting up there giving a speech. Yeah. He has the ultimate bully pulpit, which is a euphemism. He's actually using it to be a fucking bully. Yeah. So to kind of wrap this discussion on impeachment, we're going to talk about Christianity Today and their scathing editorial that they issued. Uh, Remember, Christianity Today is a prominent evangelical magazine, and it was founded by Billy Graham. Right. Evangelical, you know, legendary evangelist. Billy Graham. Yeah. And the the editorial is calling for his removal from office, calling for him to be removed from office following the impeachment vote. And Donald Trump lashed out and said that it's a <laughs> it's a progressive far left yeah, magazine. That Christianity Today 
is a progressive magazine. So I just wanted to read a Twitter thread from Robert P. Jones, and he is the CEO and founder of the Public Religion Research Institute. And he just he wanted to kind of comment on the quick history of Christianity today, given that he calls it laughable that Trump is calling it a far left magazine. Yeah. So he says founded in 1956 to counter the more liberal Christian century magazine by L. Nelson Bell, an aggressive fundamentalist and segregationist. The Christianity Today magazine leveraged influence of his son-in-law, Billy Graham. It was funded by Sun Oil magnate J. Howard Pugh, a conservative Presbyterian who thought the Christian Century magazine was too liberal and later became a key Barry Goldwater supporter. Yeah. In 1959, (laughs) Christianity Today's founding editor, Carl F.H. Henry, charged the 105 NCC clergy of having communist affiliations... You know, like liberals do. (laughs) Christianity Today ran articles by J. Edgar Hoover, such as Soviet rule or Christian renewal. In in the 1960s to 70s, the magazine encouraged Christians to root out racism in their own lives, but criticized integration. One article calling it, quote, Christian communism. Christianity Today leans consistently pro-life. As an example, he cites in May 2019, Christianity Today ran a piece on abortion that only featured pro-life voices. Its current mission is to, quote, help evangelicals understand both the gospel of Jesus Christ and the world in which we live. In sum, according to Robert P. Jones, this is his Twitter thread, it's broadly accepted in evangelical mainstream equals conservative. Yeah. Okay. So him trying to claim that it's a far left magazine, progressive, just not true. Well, just like him saying anybody who testifies with the truth is a never Trumper. Yeah. So you can tell that that's something that bothers him, though. Otherwise, he he wouldn't be talking about it. But also, I would like to know what kind of movement this is actually going to give within the evangelical community. Because there's lots of people who read that magazine that respect what they say and say, oh, because what we're looking for here, for any movement whatsoever, especially where it relates to the Senate, is people need to know that it's okay to believe that thing they're not sure that they're supposed to believe. Mm-hmm. And because politics is so tribal, if their religion gives them the latitude to go against Trump, mm-hmm. that could be all we need. Right. So if you want to follow Robert P. Jones, I would recommend it at Robert P. Jones. We're going to get into some of the things that Christianity highlighted. So one of the things that the editorial argues is that the actions under investigation in the impeachment process were immoral. They use the word immoral. Yeah. Quote, but the facts in this instance are unambiguous. The president of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the president's political opponents. That is not only a violation of the Constitution. More importantly, it is profoundly immoral. Absolutely. The magazine also argued that the president traffics in lies and slander. Quote, He himself has admitted to immoral actions in business and his relationship with women, about which he remains proud. His Twitter feed alone, with its habitual string of mischaracterizations, lies, and slanders, is a near-perfect example of a human being who is morally lost and confused. And he is their president. 
The Christianity Today editorial also said that political victories like the appointment of conservative justices to the Supreme Court do not outweigh Donald Trump's moral deficiencies. What do you mean? He is the chosen one. (laughs) Here's the quote on this one. The impeachment hearings have illuminated the president's moral deficiencies for all to see. This damages the institution of the presidency, damages the reputation of our country, and damages both the spirit and the future of our people. None of the president's positives can balance the moral and political danger we face under a leader of such grossly immoral character. Next, the article, uh, the editorial, makes a direct appeal to evangelicals to remember whom they ultimately serve. Yeah. Quote, to the many evangelicals who continue to support Mr. Trump in spite of his blackened moral record, we might say this. Remember who you are and whom you serve. Consider how your justification of Mr. Trump influences your witness to your Lord and Savior. Consider what an unbelieving world will say if you continue to brush off Mr. Trump's immoral words and behavior in the cause of political expediency. If we don't reverse course now, will anyone take anything we say about justice and righteousness with any seriousness for decades to come? That is about the most salient thing that they wrote in there. Well, it's using the language against them. Yeah, I mean, look at what are non-believers going to be thinking about all those Christians? Yeah, yeah, you you take your faith very seriously. You take the Bible, you take the word of God very seriously while you support Donald Trump, who's destroying lives, stripping away children from their parents. I mean... There are so many metrics that point to if you support Donald Trump, you're supporting racism, white supremacy, vile tenets that go against the teachings of Jesus. So they did a good job here. Yeah. And then we're going to end with this note because the editorial also warns Christian supporters that they're basically risking the reputation of Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, this needs to be included, right? Because ultimately, I'm sure that this is a lot of the motivation They're right, of, too. of this editorial. Yeah. Quote, to use an old cliche, it's time to call a spade a spade to say that no matter how many hands we win in this political poker game, we are playing with a stacked deck of gross immorality and ethical incompetence. But just when we think it's time to push all our chips to the center of the table, that's when the whole game will come crashing down. It will crash down on the reputation of evangelical religion and on the world's understanding of the gospel. How is that wrong? How is that wrong? I mean, if you're looking at your faith as an eternal thing, you don't go for short-term political gain when eternity is on the line. They They are substituting the teachings and the principles of Jesus with Donald Trump. It's very clear that's what they're doing. So good for Christianity today. I mean, obviously a a, a magazine with a storied history of problematic views <laughs> that got it right on this one. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to leave you there. We would love to hear from you. 657 464 7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We sure do appreciate and love you guys. Thanks for tuning in as often as you do. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, 
I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.